0: This is Mike McDonald and uh welcome back to a new season, uh new preseason. Super excited to be writing. Uh, super late here, but um I am very energized by what I'm seeing at Arsenal right now and very excited to be able to write and, and podcast again. So um if you're new to this, normally the format in my podcast is to go about 15 or 20 minutes, something different from everything else that's out there, something a little more compact. Um, so uh, we always do that. And also just to pick out a positive, a need and a hope from the game and talk about it. Uh, but today, because we are in the middle of the transfer window and there are so many players to talk about, I don't want to talk about them with uh, my uh, my pen, so to speak. I'd rather do it here. But before I uh, get moving on uh, the transfer talk, just wanted to get one frustration out that I started to think about writing about, but it would have taken too long because my frustration is too deep. So I need to get this out, so I'm getting it out here. Ainsley Maitland-Niles, I don't understand. I don't understand... Th- well when he was younger i understood or i excused his was it lack of effort or supreme casualness uh, and i excused it with his youth and immaturity and possibly his mother if you know that story but now he's in his mid 20s and yet again he's been given an opportunity to not only get back into the Arsenal team, but play in the central area that he so craves. And I'm no body language expert, but he just doesn't look very interested, only in spurts. Way too laid back for a serious, intense coach like Arteta and I'm particularly frustrated because I cannot think, and there probably is, but of any team in the Premier League that has a player quite as useful as Ainsley Maitland-Niles. And in Arteta's team, where he wants versatility, players with the ability to play two or three or four positions, uh, he wants athleticism, a, a modern group of players and the list goes on and you think of what Ainsley Maitland Niles at his best can do and you think that he's chucking his gift away and he's going to end up playing for Nottingham Forest this season which is fine but as he found out at West Brom when you end up at a smaller club then your dreams of being someone who dictates the midfield and powers through breaking the lines and all the things that he's so capable of doing aren't quite as possible because those teams don't have the ball and what I find so frustrating is I've loved this player ever since he broke into the Arsenal team because I think that he is uh, if you had a checklist of what you wanted out of a modern day football player he has more than most and we're not seeing it enough. And he seems to have resigned himself. Um, and maybe I'm a little more belligerent, but if I was in his position, and even if Arteta had told me, had a meeting with me, my, my agent, my family, and said, you know, you can participate in preseason, and we'll play you some, but you're out of here. I would say, nope, I'm going to prove to you that I'm not out of here, that you need what I have to give. And people change their minds. We all do. And I would love to know what's going on in that boy's head because I just see other players who we talk about coming in and I'm about to talk about a fairly long list of players and I look at Ainsley Mate and Niles and think you could do that job and you could do that job and actually you could do that guy's job as well and you could be so useful and you're not really because of an attitude whatever that is Maybe it's just as simple as the guy is so laid back because he comes across that way and he's playing on a team where being laid back seems to be the antithesis of what the coach wants. (sighs) Okay, I've got it out now. I've got it out. I'd love him to stay. I'd love him to change his attitude and I'd love him to be more demanding and want the ball and drive with it and create... Um as he's so capable of doing these things. And I look at Thomas Party and I think, you know what? Honestly, Ainsley Maynard Knowles has got a very similar profile, physical frame, uh, toolbox of skills, understanding of the game. It's all there. But there's such a difference in product. Um anyway, gotta stop. On Ainsley, and Nulls. Let's get on to the transfer talk. And I've got, what's it, one, two, three, four, five, six. So nine players, got nine players here that I think Arsenal are showing some level of interest in. The current one, really interesting, is Tapsoba, Edmund Tapsoba. And I observed Tapsoba maybe three years ago, two, three years ago at by Leverkusen as a right-sided centre-back. And he stood out for me, and I wasn't watching him. Uh, I was watching another player, actually. I was watching Silas Waman-Katuka, uh playing for Stuttgart, and I, th- I saw this player on the other team that really caught my eye. And he seemed to be an absolute monster of a defender, similar to Deo Upamecano. Um, and I've kept an eye on him ever since. And I've noticed that he, even though he's right-footed and plays right centre-back more often, he plays a good amount of time at left centre-back too. And my suspicion is that Arteta has told the club that if they really want to compete, then the teams that they're competing with have two equal players in every position and that's what he wants. And I think that's what every coach wants in modern day football and only a few get to have it based on the finances of the club and such. But I've got a feeling that Tapsober is not replacing Gabriel for those who are nervous about Gabriel going to Juventus. But I think he's gonna be one of four top centre backs at the club alongside Saliba, Gabrielle, and Ben White. And if that's the case, that's rather exciting. Um, And because I've coached, I always feel from the human side, um, so torn when situations like this happen, because I think surely Ben White and Gabrielle don't deserve to be benched. But as I said in the piece today, And we all know this and have heard this, that the best way to get a top group of players to play at an even higher level is to put players of their equal around them. And they're forced to play to the top of their game consistently. And that's a far greater statement than any words and motivation you can give them or shaking of the shoulders. So that's rather exciting. And I've got a feeling that that's going to happen. Just a feeling. Lucas Paqueta uh, is a joy to watch. He's another one that I've known about for a while and didn't understand why it didn't work for him at AC Milan, but he's flourished at Lyon. And alongside our other Brazilians and having the link that he already has with them for the national team, I think that could be perfection, that signing uh, as the left eight. And I'm nervous a little that... We're going to stick with Granite Jacker because at the back end of the season, and and rightly so, we seem to lack composure and leadership and experience, and we faded away that Newcastle game away, in particular. And to Granite Xhaka's credit, he had a very good season overall, and the back end of the season in particular. So, I don't know what's going to happen there exactly, but Lucas Paqueta, um, is always. Lauded for his technical gifts and for all the Brazilianness that you see when you watch him play, but he's a strong dude with a, a heavy defensive um, work ethic as well. And I think that he would be a difference maker um, in the Arsenal team. And there's so much versatility there. He's played every position on the left side. He plays as a ten. Arguably, uh, at his best, you can play him as a false nine, even as a centre-forward. And he's got the perfect physical frame as well for a footballer. So, boy, that would be that would be too good. And I, I heard an argument today, I think it was on... Um, was it on the Ars blog or Arsenal Vision, one of the two, and they were talking about paqueta or Tielemans. And uh, I think it was Clive, actually, on Arsenal Vision mentioned... That ultimately he'd go for Tielemans. And I understand that because it's not always just about uh, your abilities, potential, talent. It's the experience and how you settle into a country, into a team. And Paquetta's never played in England, and Tielemans has. And he's done rather well. And so, and he would be probably half the price. So I'd be good with that too. Uh, I, I'd also think that the, the team certainly needs those. Uh, or that threat of a long-range shot that he is one of the best in the Premier League at. Uh, that's something that the club hasn't had for a decade or so. Somebody who can consistently threaten from long range. Uh, I always thought Santi Cazola had that but didn't do it enough. Um, but then he went deeper. Anyway, so either of those players I think would improve Arsenal. I do think we'll start the season with Granite Xhaka at Crystal Palace. I think that... Um, the intense atmosphere I've been to Crystal Palace um, most recently that was my most recent Premier League game that that I was able to go to was Crystal Palace against Leicester and I think that was in 2016 that's a sad story for me isn't it Uh, anyway that was the year that Leicester won the league and I remember being close to uh, that rumbunctious group of um, fans that they have behind their goal at Palace and how incessant they were and Uh, It was a pretty intimidating atmosphere, I felt. And much like Brentford last year, there's going to be so much hype and nervous energy in that game, first game of the season, and I think he's going to go with Xhaka regardless. So let's all, all not melt down if we prefer player X to have played in that particular game. I'm preparing myself for Xhaka in that first game, and we'll see where we go from there. Okay, so alongside... The options of Paqueta and Tielemans to play as the left eight in the midfield. There are two others Zinchenko, who looks like he's almost uh, signed up. And most people are assuming that he will play left back as an inverted left back, which he may well. If you've seen, again, I'll talk about the Arsenal vision, there are uh, Patreon uh, podcast that they do on potential signings is excellent and the analysis they do of the player and what was very evident watching the Zinchenko episode was that how highly technically competent he is offensively and has a multitude of threats from... One touch, two touch crossing ability combinations well he 's a Manchester City player, so they all have to have the the full load um but that he was a risk taker defensively, and so i'd be a little nervous if he was left back, but then again, as was pointed out on that podcast, he has won four Premier League medals, so are we being a bit snobby? when we suggest that he's not good enough to play for us um, at left-back. But my thought is I'm wondering if the reason that he's come and not stayed at Manchester City, where he's going to get about 50% playing time during the season, is because he wants a change of position and Manchester City are not willing to dedicate a position for him and that Arteta's persuaded him that you are the left eight. You are the left eight in midfield and that he's actually the midfield signing and he's not really going to play left-back unless he's needed to do so. That's just an interesting thought, isn't it? Because he plays there for the Ukraine and, in fact, I uh, can tell you, you probably know this anyway, but when he first started his career, he played the former years... um, Sorry, he played the first years of his career as a wigger. And that's uh, who he was. So there's a lot of technical ability and confidence on the ball there. Okay, now I've left the last one uh, to last because... or the last midfield chat uh, because he's not my favourite of the four that I've picked to talk about in midfield but I think he might be the one that suits the best even though I think Paqueta would be close to perfection. I think because of what we don't have in our team, I think we need a third-man runner from midfield who is a specialist at getting into the box, much like Ramsey was in his prime, and giving us the threat of 8-12 to goals a season from midfield. Now, I'm talking about Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, who I believe is right around 28 years of age now. He's been at Lazio forever and ever and still pretty dominant in the Italian league. And there's been rumours for years that he's going to PSG for over 100 million and crazy figures, and it's not like that anymore. It's going to be more like a third of that. But his um, superpower is arriving in the box and he is a monster. Now, he's physically a monster and with that big frame, powerful, um, unafraid, just hugely dangerous in the air. And so I, I'm rambling, but this is my point. If your forward line consists of Saka, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, Jesus, and Ketia, the one thing you're lacking is power in the air. There are players there like Martinelli and Jesus in particular, Jesus, sorry, that will attack balls with great hunger but don't have a way to dominate in the air. And so I'm just thinking of the um, innumerable times that we have the ball out wide and we that's how we attack. We seem to go and funnel it through our wide players, which is all good, and they have the opportunity to cross it and they don't. And they don't because they don't believe that the players in the middle are capable of winning it in the air against the big centre-backs. And how that would change if you had a a third-man runner like Milinkovic Savic running from that left half space into the box and how it would attract perhaps a centre-back away from Gabriel Jesus as well. There's all kinds of different things that would happen if you've got a threat running from deep. And the last thing I'll say is uh i think it's significantly easier to pick out the runner from deep and for him to be able to score than the player standing between the center backs cuz that player is asking for a, a, a literally for literally asking for a perfect pass to get it over the first guy's head and dip it to it lands on your head and you're asking for perfection and that's why it doesn't happen a whole lot um but the player running from deep is normally unmarked and let's say 50% of the time, his his man has not gone with him. And if he's gone with him, he's not tight. And so he's actually um, your best pick out. And, and he's also running onto the ball. So he doesn't need to generate any power either. Whereas the centre forward often does. He just needs to redirect it. Anyway, that's how I would coach it. And as much as I would prefer to go for Lucas Paqueta, my uh, sitting on the couch footballing love, for delightful Brazilian players, I think the most intelligent signing might actually be Milinkovic-Savic. Uh, and the only downside for me, really, is his age. I wish he was uh, three years younger. But just some thoughts there. OK, moving on. This is probably turning into quite a long chat, actually. It's 19 minutes, so I lied, right? OK, um, some wingers here. I've got one, two, three wingers. I uh, heard whispers about Jeremy Doku, who's at Rennes in uh, Liga, and I've liked him for a while. He's a devastatingly quick um, winger uh, who has been bouncing around Europe for a while and not really picked up by any of the bigger teams. I think there's an inconsistency there. But perhaps Arteta sees this person coming in as... Um, threat from the bench and especially with the five sub rule a player with electric speed like Jeremy Doku has could really be quite devastating coming on for the last 20 minutes and I know so many people slate Adama Traore but I'm very interested there too for the same reason Um, he offers something so different to what we have and that last 20 minutes as he often did for Wolves um well I'm not going to pick him out, but Jeremy Doku certainly has something that we don't have in that uh, electric uh, pace and ability to run behind. So so there's that one. Cody Gakpo is a very interesting one because Cody Gakpo is already broken into the Dutch team, which is so hyper-competitive, and he could solve two problems for us. My concern is we're going to start the season without a target man as an option. I've been promoting bringing in Edison, Edison Cavani, even though he's in his mid-30s now, as a bench option, a target man option when, we, when we're playing those games where it's not working and nothing's sticking and we wish that we had a big unit up front to hold the ball up and a, a larger aerial threat. I think that you have to have that in your squad. It doesn't have to start games but you have to have that in your squad. Well, Cody Gakpo is much like Martinelli. He looks like a centre-forward, plays like a centre-forward, but he plays on the left wing, but makes a lot of those out-to-in runs into that central space and certainly has the frame of a centre-forward and I think could be coached uh, much like um, uh, Thierry Henry was, uh, not comparing their abilities, but to be that. And so... That would give us the target man option if we were to need it. Uh, a fourth winger and a target man. Two for the price of one, so to speak. So that's a good option. Uh, I've got a feeling that the rumours over Leroy Sane might actually come to fruition. If I was to stick my hat on one of these, I would say the Arsenal... We'll get him. And it might seem crazy. Why would you leave Bayern Munich to come to Arsenal? Well, they've just signed um, Mane. And so uh, Sane is going to find it that much harder. Uh, As we all know, when a big new signing comes in, who's an elite player, one of the best in the world, to be fair, in his position and consistently shown it, he's going to get grace and he's going to get opportunities and you're going to have to sit until he proves that he's not as good as you. That's sort of how it goes. And so, with Gnabry signing a new contract and Kingsley Coman having a wonderful season last season, Sane might be the one that sees the least playing time. And Sane is something that we don't have. His speciality is running behind the defence, and much like Jeremy Doku, he's electric. And we all remember that from when he was with City. Such a dangerous player. Um... And I think worth the big outlay. That would be very exciting. Uh, I really think that Arsenal need a target man. I really think Arsenal need somebody who is lightning quick. And I know Saka and Martinelli are quick. But there's every extra step makes a massive difference. If you, And they're two steps quicker, these players. So we need that in our squad. Okay, so I've talked about Tap over and the midfield options and the wingers, and so got one more. this is a cheeky one. Rumours coming out alongside Zinchenko were about Sergio Gomez, and Sergio Gomez was not a name that I knew very well, and so I looked him up and studied him somewhat and I've got a feeling if Zinchenko's been bought for midfield we all think he's a left back been bought for midfield maybe Arsenal are going to buy Sergio Gomez as well because I think there's been a lot of smoke around the Nuno Tavares going on loan for a season which I'm fine with and Sergio Gomez has a wonderful left foot having watched what I watched of course I I don't have the knowledge on him but I can spot a player who is a natural and he has a natural left foot deadly uh, left foot um, and his goals and assists, I think it was 40, somewhere between 14 and 17 last year, uh, and mostly those drilled crosses, are, uh, you know, much like Manchester City do, between the defence and the goalkeeper, and his centre-forward picking it up and knocking it in, um, and he had some blistering goals from outside the box, and um, just looks like somebody that would be worth investing in, um be it as a first choice or or second choice, likely uh, left-back option. So just wondering if if that's what's going to happen. Anyway, I've talked too long. It's 25 minutes, the longest one I've ever done. I have no more breath left, and I've just been writing about bunnies. So sorry about my headline. A little bit corny, but I sure appreciate your reading, sharing and listening to my work. God bless.